living that hostile life. It's cheap and it's inconvenient. <laughs> you're like you're like such a you're such a hip backpacker, Byron. You're like you, you know what I like after a six hour train ride with three exchanges is to put on my own duvet cover. That's what I live for. Totally Byron, where are you? I'm in Normandy, France, for the Ooh. D-75th anniversary. That's uh, that's really cool. Landon, it's amazing. I uh, This is probably the most fun that I've had. I, I've been a, a World War II um, connoisseur fan uh, ever since I was in high school. I've read a bunch of books about it. I've watched all the movies. It's something that I think is in, like just one of the world's most incredible stories. And to be here for this anniversary is very special. And it's been an incredible three days. That's yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I saw, yeah. you know, pictures and I, you know, obviously I watched all the news coverage about it, but I purposely sort of want, I wanted to stay spoiler free because i knew i was going to talk to you about this so. <laughs> that, that's the hard part right like you I, I do these really fun instagram stories but you kind of be like no i want it to be a surprise because i'm gonna yes. get my, my own one-on-one thing you know that's right yeah totally so what so <laughs> just take me through it yeah so i knew i was going to be in paris um for a little bit and I, I saw that D-Day was coming up. I saw that it was the 75th anniversary. And this one event popped on my radar, which was called DAX over Normandy. So DAX is short for Dakotas. And Dakotas are the C-47 uh, airplanes. And these are the ones that flew over Normandy on D-Day and dropped the paratroopers um, over France. So basically what they were doing is they were getting a collection of, of uh, 30 of these planes. And there's not a lot of them left. Uh, all together at once that still fly. And they're going to drop paratroopers in period costume uh, over uh, a field in Normandy. Um, and I said, you know what? That's something I want to be a part of. I want to ch- yeah, see that happen. That's probably not going to happen again. <laughs> no. I, yeah. And it was only, you know, they've done things like this before, but it was, it was because it was the 75th that everyone was going all out. So I built my trip uh, around that. So I stayed in Cannes, um, not where the film festival is on the Mediterranean, the uh, Cayenne, C-A-E-N, which is um, the major port town in in Normandy. So I said, I'm going to stay there because it's closest to the where the paratrooper drop is going to be. And that's going to be the centerpiece of this whole trip. And I'm going to build around that. I was going to be based there. I'd been to uh, Omaha Beach and Utah Beach before with my family, not on the anniversary or anything. And that was an incredible trip as well. But this is the complete other side. Basically, it's it's like a 100 miles of beach, the all five different beaches that they landed on, and then the paratroopers behind them, of course. So this is a massive area. Uh, to cover. So if you're staying on one side, you're, you're not within walking or biking distance of everything else. It's, it's all very spread out. So I was on the complete other side um, 
where the British um, and Canadians landed. Um, but it was cool because I was going to do something different. And really, I, I centered it around this, this paratrooping uh, excursion on, on the day before D-Day, so June 5th. And so one of the best decisions I ever made this entire time, uh, not just this trip, the whole thing since February, was renting an electric bike for four days. Because I looked at scooters, and but there were all these restricted areas because Macron was going to be in the area, Trump was going to be in the area, so no one – you had to have a special pass to go to a town hall to, to get through, but bikes were exempt. So I said, you know what? It's, there's going to be some long bike rides, but these electric bikes, it helps you pedal. They last all day, so it's not really a thing. I, I think I'll be able to manage it. And I think the flexibility will will be good, and I was very right. And thank God I did this because it literally saved me three or four times getting into events that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to or I would have missed because I had this bike. And while there were lines and lines of cars backed up, I was just flying past them on the shoulder and then going right up past the police up to these events and then parking my bike and then walking you know, a hundred yards to get in instead of a mile. Um, So that was like the best decision I've ever made. (laughs) Yeah. And then the second best decision you ever made was just having a giant American flag (laughs) from behind that bike. Yes, it was crazy. The one time I've been in Europe where I haven't been looked down upon for being American. Uh, (laughs) It was a nice change of pace for me. Um, but the, so the paratrooper event was the first thing that I went to. Um, I researched for this, I researched a bunch. I knew there were going to be a million things going on and I wanted to just make sure that outside of the paratrooping thing that I, I had places to go and that there were events that I could find and check out. So I did a ton of research. I looked at all the event, uh, these event guides. I copy and pasted mass amounts of, uh, local French um, announcements into Google text so that I could understand what was happening and what was closed and what wasn't. <laughs> um, but so this was the first one. So we're starting off with a bang. So I go and it's this small village about a 40 minute bike ride uh, outside of uh, Cannes. And uh, it's just a field. It's an empty field and the town is behind us. And then we're all in uh, next to this giant field, it's very loosely roped off, and we're waiting there. And then on on the weather is like on the cusp of rain. There's clouds, so everyone is very worried that it's going to get called off. So then we see a tweet from the Dax over Normandy, and they say we're not going to drop at two thirty anymore. We're going to drop at six. And so everyone was freaking the fuck out because they'd come or they had different plans or they had plans later. And, you know, a four and a half hour delay was going to be a real problem. And so you challenged me last week to um, recruit people. And yes. I, I don't know if this counts per se. Uh, you'll be the judge, obviously. Um, of course. But so when this news came in, people were starting to leave. And the people around me, I said, hey, uh, it wasn't on the DAX website, but this thing popped up two days ago on the, the different things that I was monitoring, like uh, like Morgan Freeman in, in Batman with all the screens. Uh, that was me with D-Day, D-Day websites on my tabs open on my laptop. 
Um, so I said, this thing popped up where the British paratroopers, which are called the Red Devils, are gonna, like the current unit, it said they're gonna do jump around this time. So I said, just wait 15 minutes. And if nothing happens, like go, go on, go about your day. But I think, I think everyone should just wait 15 minutes. And so, uh, People did. People put down their, their lawn chairs again and, and waited. And wouldn't you know it, 15 minutes later, uh, eight to 10 C-130s came over the sky and dropped 200 British paratroopers onto the wow. field in front of us. And everyone was freaking out. And uh, it, it was also basically right in front of us. There were a few that dropped within 20 yards um, in front of the crowd. And, and there were several that dropped in the crowd area that were very embarrassed as they, they pulled in their parachutes and ran to join their comrades. <laughs> um, but it was, so that was, even if it had just been that, it would have been fantastic. Uh, so then there was a break. Uh, there was the, the skies were empty. And then a British Spitfire, which was the World War II fighter jet uh, for the British, comes roaring and just sees the crowd and starts buzzing the field really low and like doing maneuvers and stuff like that. So everyone was just getting hyped up. People are staying. And then around 5 PM, the DAX came 30 world war two aircraft came and dropped 250 to 300 paratroopers all wearing world war two gear into this field in front of us. It was unbelievable. That's crazy. Can you even like, get close to describing what it's like with like that many planes, those, those, especially those kind of planes, which are big and loud. Yes. Uh, right. Like, and there's a, there's just a ton of them in the sky dropping all these people. That's gotta be nuts. It was nuts. The visual of it, of, of these tiny little things floating down and then becoming bigger. As, as you realize they're dropping right in front of you as the other planes are roaring uh, over. I, I just, I, it was the closest I'll ever uh, hopefully ever be to being on a situation where paratroopers are dropped to where I'm standing. Um, but to imagine doing what they did at night while they were being right. shot at was like mind blowing to me. I, I don't know how they did it. it it's, you know, it, it was scary. It was, it was inaccurate in the middle of a field in perfect conditions during the day. So on D-Day, when it was at night and everything really went to shit because there was a cloud bank right before they hit the coast. And so none of the pilots could see everyone missed their drop zones. It was chaos. Uh, I, I just can't imagine it. it, but it was, yeah, it was surreal. It was surreal seeing this. And then once the planes are over, it's completely quiet. And all you see is the the paratroopers, the sticks drifting down silently, and then and then hitting the field. Yeah, that's cool. And I think it's easy to look at these spectacles and wonder why. I mean, other than marking the occasion and and whatever, right. like I mean, you have the celebration, right? And then you have this whatever. And I think maybe to some people it feels like a glorification of you know conflict or war, but what you just said, it puts you in that situation. It really does the job of making you rem like th think critically about the job that these people did. Right. Yeah, this was, this was impossible. Right. What they did. And so it's a great way to memorialize the thing 
you know, the events and the people. Uh, yeah, I just think it's an incredible, like, I think it's incredible. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah. And one of the guys was a 93-year-old dude who uh, made the jump back in 1944. And wow. he made it again. <laughs> Wow. So it, it was just great. And then, so afterwards, um, I hopped on my bike and I started riding through the field. And as I'm, as I'm biking, the paratrooper staging area was on the opposite side. So I'm biking through the field and then there's just paratroopers just walking along the, the road. So it felt like I went through a time machine into 1944 and was seeing just American uh, paratroopers walking through the fields in Normandy after they just dropped out. It was crazy. Um, yeah, that wasn't a feature listed on the bike's website. It was that <laughs> no. a traveling bike. No, no. Uh, I re- then I really got good value for it. Um, uh, <laughs> I thought just skipping the line would be good. Um, but I – so uh, the next thing I was going to do was go to Pegasus Bridge. So Pegasus Bridge was basically in between Cannes and Sword Beach. And it was important because Cannes was the major port town that they needed to capture – Montgomery said that he would capture it on D-Day. That was uh, quite the overestimate. They ended up capturing it three weeks later. Um, But in between Cannes and the beaches, there were only – there's only one bridge that goes across this canal that basically runs from Cannes to the beaches. So if you you wanted to get to all the Normandy beaches, to the D-Day landings – you had to either go through Cannes or you could take a shortcut through um, through over this bridge uh, called Pegasus Bridge. And um, it's this little town called Beneville. There's two restaurants. It's just little houses. There's really nothing there. But there's this bridge, this metal, ugly, <laughs> retracting bridge that lifts up and the boats come by. And... This was the f- mission of the British paratroopers on D-Day was to take this. And it was extremely important because if they took this and held this, it was a real problem for the Germans to get over to any of the D-Day beaches from where the strong points were further north. So ah, I went to this bridge. It was the sun was starting to go down and it's packed. There are people there. There, everyone is dressed up as as you know recreations of American troops, of British troops. There are generations of Red Devils there for the paratroopers. There's two guys who had made the jump that night that were there. Um, there were uh, Red Devils that you could just tell were were current military that had been in it years ago, and everyone was there and just having a good time and uh, drinking. And what what happened was the British, they didn't paratroop in. They landed gliders next to the bridge. They had uh, three gliders, each filled with about uh, 30 guys. And in the dead of night, the pilots landed these gliders about 30 yards from the bridge in the exact location that they were supposed to land. And the British British, uh, British paratroopers got out. They stormed the bridge. They stormed this other bridge right next to it. And then they held it uh, throughout the night until the D-Day, um, the D-Day troops, the guys that landed on the beach were able to get to them. But it was literally the one operation, airborne operation, that actually went right. 
Every, everyone else missed their drop. The gliders crashed in the wrong place. Everything went wrong. This is the one thing where these guys landed on a dime exactly they were supposed to, and they held this keeperage. Um, so I was there at midnight at 1216, which was the moment that those gliders landed 75 years prior. And the mayor was there, and the commander, uh, Howard, his, his daughter was there. And, and gave a speech, and they played the radio transmission of their radio man, the signal that they had taken the bridge, where he goes, ham and jam, ham and jam, the signal is ham and jam, which they replayed, which is hilarious, you know, as gunfire <laughs> is streaming over everybody's heads. Um, and then... Even in the I, middle of the war, <laughs> even in the middle of a war, the British just can't help themselves and say the most British things in the world. They keep it cheeky. <laughs> Their codes. <laughs> <laughs> they keep it cheeky. Um, and so one, at, at one end of the Pegasus Bridge is this uh, cafe called Cafe Gondre. And this was there in 1944. And it is technically the first building that was, quote, liberated on D-Day because the British troops landed. And then they went in there and they took positions. And so this is where everyone has a shot. Um, at 1 a.m., which is when the British, uh, when they, or I think it was like 1245, something like that, when the British crossed. And so everybody got together, and at the time, uh, everyone took a shot uh, together. And so I was taking drinks with the the Red Devils. I was doing it with guys who had been there uh, on that night 75 years ago. And then the current unit, the current Red Devils, uh, ran across the bridge in unison uh, to signify uh, the time that the that the parat- or the glider troops uh, came across. It was it was completely surreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. wild. And then I, you know, with a, with a few shots of uh, Calvados, I think it's whiskey in me. I uh, I biked uh, forty five minutes home <laughs> at, at two in the morning. <laughs> Really, really happy for the, for those for that electric help then, right? I, I really was, I really was, but I was so I like the adrenaline and just the excitement of being there. Uh, uh, I, I didn't need I didn't need any electric assistance. I had I had all yeah. the the juice that I needed. Um, <laughs> but oh my god, it, it was just it was just bonkers. It was bonkers. That's cool, man. That's really crazy. I mean, and it's cool that you, you know, you know all this, the the history of it and the stories. Yeah, just to that end. So I had read, there's a book by Stephen Ambrose, uh, the historian called D-Day, which I had read in high school, but didn't really remember anything of it. So part of what I did for this trip was I got the audio book and it's about 25 hours long. And two days before I went, I just started it. And I was just mainlining this thing the whole time. It, when I was biking, it was in my ear. So as yeah. I was going past these places and about to go to a place, I would be hearing about what actually happened. Because you can look at something and you can see something, but to actually know the context of it um, was really helpful as far as understanding what it was. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to add that. Uh, just wanted to add what a huge uh, nerd I am that I was just biking, listening to D-Day, going around D-Day. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. And, and like, here you are in 2019 on an electric bicycle. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> listening, listening to uh, Stephen Ambrose book <laughs> about the thing and you're in the place. That's wild. Yeah. And anytime I was like, oh, God, it's late. I'm going to bike home for 45 minutes. And then I would, I would slap myself and I'd be like, 
hey, no one's shooting at you, so how about you shut the fuck up, softy? Yeah, this is okay. This is totally okay. I yeah. got another 45 minutes to listen to this D-Day book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it was also a great way to pa- to pass the time because I was biking I was biking a lot. Um, and so I woke up the next morning. I considered doing this like a 6.30 a.m. when they landed thing at the beaches, but – that would have been, I think that would have been too much. I wanted to save some energy for the rest of the day because I knew it would be another long day. Uh, So I got a little sleep and then I biked basically straight past the Pegasus Bridge from Cayenne. So I did another 45 minutes um, to Pegasus Bridge. And as I'm passing Pegasus Bridge around, around noon, the Dax, the same Dax, the 30 of them, they just fly over in formation. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know it was going to happen, but stuff like that happened over the whole week, which was so cool and very unexpected and just awesome. So that was a nice little bonus that just happened as I was going past the bridge. Um, and my goal there was to go straight to the beach to this town called Wiestrum, which is sort of a sleepy um, beach resort town in Normandy right next to the canal. And there's a casino there, and this was a this was a battle that happened on D-Day. No one landed there, but they landed about a mile to the south on Sword Beach, and then this unit, these French commandos, um, they landed. There was 140 of them, and their job when they hit the beach was not to go inland, but to hook left. And to go straight to this town, fight their way through it, and get all the way to Pegasus Bridge. So they basically had to take the route that I was going, but in reverse, and the Germans were shooting at them. So I'm at this museum, and uh, the first the first commando, the first commandos, that's what they were. And uh, there's a museum there, and I'm at this casino, and I'm just standing in the spot where this major battle took place because the casino at the time, the Germans had uh, pillboxes on it and completely defended the movie The Longest Day. They have this amazing two-and-a-half-minute aerial shot that tracks the commandos running through the town and fighting the Germans and basically taking the city. Uh, So I biked through there, and then I head south to Sword Beach because – I think I had a ticket to this event where President Macron was going to be speaking, honoring these commandos. So I roll up and there's police everywhere. The beach is blocked off from like a half mile in each direction. And I roll up and I say, uh, hi, does anyone speak English to the very heavily armed police officers? (laughs) <laughs> and one guy, one guy says, yes, he, yeah. And I said, I, I'm here for the, uh, the event because I, here's what happened. I, sorry, I'm, I'm getting too excited talking about all this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, on one of my research things about a month ago, I saw this thing where this event was happening. President Macron was going to be speaking in honor of the French commandos. So I said, on Sword Beach. And I said, oh, that'll be cool. And it said, if you want a ticket, uh, email this thing. So I emailed it. And then three days ago, um, basically two days before the event, I got an email. said, here's your ticket for the anniversary event. So I said, said, cool. So I printed it out. 
but it, it was in French, but what I translated, there was no address. It just said the town and the Sword Beach, so I didn't know where to go. And so I said, well, I'll bike to Sword Beach. That's the start. Um, and so I go and I said, hey, I'm here for the event. And he said, uh, yeah, sure, sure. And I said, no, I have a ticket. And he's like, oh, yeah, show me and show me your ID. So I'm like, all right. And so I showed him and he's like, okay. I showed him the ID. He's like, oh, wow, you do have a ticket. And I said, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised too. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're but the he first said, one to show up that actually has anything printed out. <laughs> well, yeah, at that spot because I was in the completely wrong location. Because because Macron was going to be there, you had to go through security and be bussed in. So he said there's a gymnasium about a half mile away, inland. So you go there and then you get on buses and then they bring you to the beach. So he said, oh, okay. So I go over there and they are shutting the security checkpoint down as I'm running in. So I run in and I say, oh, please, please, can you know, can you let me in, last one? And they said, do you have a ticket? I said, yeah, I showed them. And I was literally the last one through the metal detectors and onto the bus. I stepped on the bus, the door closed, and it took off. And that was the last bus. Um, and again, this was, this was two hours before the event was going to start. But when you know, I went to an event with Obama once. Um, she spoke at my sister's graduation. Same thing. You had to be there three hours early, two hours early. Go through. You know, they have it all secure for when the important people get there. Right. Um, but so I lucked out. I got in, and you go, and then it's just this bleachers overlooking Sword Beach, right where the British and these French commandos landed. And there's all these military there. There's um, French commandos lined up in formation. They all, everyone has guns. There's all these, uh, you know, uh, political, political mayors and, and representatives around. This was like, a, like a massive VIP event that I happened to get a ticket to because I emailed a website three, three weeks ago. So I'm sitting there in the bleachers and all, you know, this, this uh, sort of ceremonies are happening and then this limo pulls up and I'm like, oh, shit, is this Macron? And this woman gets out and shakes a bunch of general hands like, no, oh, no. And I look it up and she was just like the French minister of defense, you know, boring. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Um, but then they're doing all these drills and flag exchanges. And then Macron shows up and reviews the troops and gives a, a passionate speech that I didn't understand at all um, because I'm pretty sure I was the only American at this thing. Cause it was, it was a French, you know, for the French commandos. Right. Yeah. Um, and then he met with um, a guy named Leon Gagnier, who was one of the commandos that was at that speech 75 years ago uh, of the 140 um, uh, people that landed he was uh, one of three that are still alive, um, which is crazy. And then they had um, the newest class of this commando unit, the same commando unit, um, get their berets, which means they're part of the they're part of the squad now. From Gagné and Macron and and basically the French military leadership, which was really cool, um, and. And then it kind of ended and Macron went to the sword beach and was getting saluted. They paraded by him and, and everyone just kind of crowded around him and the troops were shaking his hand. And it was all, 
since there are so many soldiers there, so many troops, he was in very in politi- very politician mode. He was shaking hands. He was taking pictures. And I said, oh, my God, he's like he's going to work this line. That There was a little fence and everyone was lining up against it. And he started to move down it. And I said, if, if I know politicians and I've spent, spent my fair share of time around them, he's going to work the line. He's going to go down the whole line and shake everyone's hand. And so I spotted a group of kids, like eight-year-olds, and they were 20 of them. They were all grouped together. So I went and I stood in the middle of them because I said, if he is going to walk this line, there's no fucking chance that he's passing up these kids. (laughs) (laughs) And so when you know it, he's working his way down the line and he's coming and he sees the kids and he walks over and he's talking to them a little bit. And then he looks at me and I said, uh, uh, Mr. President, could we take a picture? And he says, of course. And he says, where are you from? In, in perfect English, perfect English. And I said, Oh, uh, Mr. President, I'm from, uh, from Los Angeles. And he's like, Oh, thank you so much for being here. And I said, Hey man, I'm, I'm sorry about Trump. And he said, uh, it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, that was, and then he went to the school children and they started singing a song uh in french to him and he sang back and that uh that ended up on his instagram story of which i am uh in quite clearly <laughs> to his three million followers <laughs> so it's a bunch of a bunch of school kids and then this gangly american in a purple dress uh button-down shirt <laughs> Yeah, nice job, Byron. Nice job, Forrest Gumping your way into uh, unbelievable the Instagram story, dude. That's such a good call. It's exactly what happened. And then, um, <laughs> and then there were pastries and little snacks, French pastries uh, given out, and champagne. And I said, I really, <laughs> this is the best email I've ever sent. I, I really yeah, got no good kidding. value on that one. And then good I heaven. saw. Uh, Leon Gagnier, the, the, the commando, he was sitting there in his wheelchair and I said, I would love, I'd love a picture. I actually, so for him, I actually looked up, um, can we take a picture in French? Because I didn't know he, he, the guy is 93 years old. Um, it's, it was like, right. he was the center of this day. He, he must've been tired and, and he was getting a lot of attention. So I wanted to be very polite and, and, gentle and so i asked in french and he he sort of waved me over so i got a picture with him as well which i think i think i like better than the macron one honestly i think the macron one is crazy i i saw the macron one pop up in a feed and and i was like i was popular i was like what what because you just look like buds (laughs) i know like you're just you're just we're bros we're bros and then in one i posted in um, sort of my outtakes this month in one of the frames it wasn't quite out we weren't quite set up yet but one of the little kids this cute little french blonde kid uh poked his head in between us and was photobombing and i really wish that was that that you know that had been the final one because it would have been classic but it was still it was still pretty good and then you can see in the sequence he kind of would do the, you know, his hand on his shoulder, hand on my shoulder, does a smile. And then he kind of looks at it. There's one picture of him kind of looking at me like, okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's time. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, that was crazy. <laughs> that is crazy, man. Like it's just, uh, it's nuts. I mean, you knew going to this hours. thing. I know. Right. But that's the thing. Like the paratroopers to this was 24 hours. 
I think it was, it's one of those deals where like this is a obviously like a once in history type situation. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because like, it was seventy five that I, that made it a really big deal. And uh, my dad was actually in uh, Normandy on the fortieth because President Reagan came and spoke, and he was uh, covering. He was a uh, Time uh, magazine photographer, so he was there covering it. So he was there on the fortieth, and then here I am, thirty five years later on. Uh, on the the 75th yeah Uh, so funny story so this is a a sidetrack do we have time are we running long i don't know yeah no we have time Um, plenty of time so they my dad i have this coin from d-day 40th anniversary um ronald reagan very cool coin and this was june um 6th of 19 84. So this is basically two weeks after I was born, but he gave this coin to me and it's in a beautiful box and I have it. And he said, so when we got on the, the choppers from Paris to go out to this event in the press chopper, these coins were on the seats of, uh, for all the press members. And they're like, wow, this is like, this is a nice surprise. We usually don't get things like this. This is very cool. What a, what a, what a nice little touch. Um, unfortunately, Someone fucked up on the staff, and those were supposed to be for the uh, president's senior staff on their <laughs> helicopter, but they someone put them on the wrong one, and so the the, the, the photographers and the, the press got the, the special coins instead. But once once that uh, once that cat was out of the bag, it was not going back in. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah, it's like all the all the president's staff is just like, oh, did you see the the bag of dried fruit we got on the helicopter? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so that night, I uh, went back through Benoville. This is like what my tenth time through past Pegasus Bridge, and um, because there was a uh, there's a French manor there, this beautiful mansion in next to a river and all these trees around it. And so it was lit up and they had a big band concert and um, a singer singing 40 songs and French songs. And it was just a nice little uh, concert to end the night. That's crazy. I feel like you, this is only like a couple of days, but I feel like you spent like months in, uh, in this particular town. Oh yeah. It's uh, in and around, right? Yeah, this was this was the the centerpiece for for the whole trip basically, um, and then you know so, and then another after the concert was over, another long bike ride in the dark <laughs> back home. Um, luckily, there was a it was a canal and there's a bike path that pretty much went straight to the city, so it wasn't like on dangerous French roads. Although I had a bit of that going to the paratroopers, uh, a few close calls, um, great, <laughs> but great. yeah. And then, so the next day was my last day. Um, it, this was, uh, I'm going to warn everyone, this is not nearly as good as the first two days. Uh, the last day was was kind of a bust. Um, but I went to um, the DAX. Uh, the Dakotas were at this airfield. And supposedly they were going to be doing the, you know, formation flying and landing and stuff like that. Um, so I thought that would be cool to go. And, but the, the, sh- the shuttle bus was messed up that was supposed to be there. So people were waiting for two hours and it was raining and it was windy. And, um, 
I went to the shuttle bus for like five minutes and then I, my spidey sense went off and I said, you know what? It's just another 30 minutes to bike. I have the bike. This is why I have the bike. So I biked and I'm so glad I did because people were tweeting uh, an, an hour and a half later and they were still at that place waiting oh, man. for buses. And then when you got there, no one was flying. The wind was too big. You couldn't get close to the planes because of security or something. So you couldn't really even take pictures with them. All the planes were facing like butt towards the crowd, (laughs) you know, so you couldn't even get good pictures of them that way. So that was definitely a bus. I I went up to uh, somebody um, and as I walked up, an organizer, people had paid to take flights on the DAX, but they were only yeah. flying one plane at a time because of the weather and stuff. And it was just, and so people were so pissed and then they're complaining and it was just, it was rough. So I got, I bounced out of there, got out of there, um, went uh, to Cannes and then took a train to Carentan um, about, uh, about an hour, about an hour away to the, to the, to the Southwest, which just goes to show you. And Carentan was basically in the middle of the, the D-Day beaches. So an hour train ride and you're in the middle from the one side of it. So that just kind of shows you how much, how much uh, space there was. Um, yeah. but I went to Carentan to this thing called Camp Arizona, which was a recreation of um, a paratrooper camp that was supposed to be sort of like it was back in 1944. The 101st had a, had a camp here and it was basically a Renaissance fair for world war two. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was dressed up and I, I got the impression that people were living in the tents for the week. So not only were they dressed up, which I thought was pretty cool, actually. Okay. Uh, not only were they dressed up, but they were also like living there, and and they had a little bar set up and food stands. Um, it, it was very cool. A, a ton of military vehicles. Uh, unfortunately, on on my way there, I caught got caught in the uh, one of the most torrential downpours I've ever been a part of, and it was literally right before, right in the middle of the train station in there. So I was just in no man's land. Uh, and I was clutching a tree trying to, to, to stay dry. Um, and then you get there and it's all muddy and gross and it was fine. You know, it was, it was like a rent fair. Yeah. For, for yeah. world war two. For war people. Yeah. Yeah. And then I said, okay, uh, next, <laughs> I was there for about 45 minutes and, uh, uh, did you watch Band of Brothers? Yeah. So in the third episode called Carentan, uh, the 101st takes this city, our, our like town, really, village. And they start it by running up this road at this house, this two-story house. And the Germans have a machine gun just looking straight down this road. Do you remember that sequence at I, all? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's been a long time, but yes. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the ones that was pretty memorable for me just because of how – like the rough that was like, you're just running yeah. straight down a road at a house that has machine guns. In yeah. It. And so they on Google maps, I, it, this appeared when I was at camp in Arizona, it said the starting point of easy companies assault on Carentan on Google wow. maps is a point. And it was a block away. And I said, well, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> so I went over there and right at the start of this road is, you know, a plaque and, and the American flag. 
And then you walk down this road and it's like that sequence. You are looking at this building. The building looks like two stories. It peaks up just above the two buildings next to it. It's exactly like it was in the show. And this is what those guys ran down through machine gun fire. And so I walked down the road. About every other house on that road has American flags on it, which I thought was very moving and very cool. Um, And then you – I, I walked in and it's not, it was a cafe at the time. And now it's basically a bar slash convenience store that sells lottery tickets. Uh, <laughs> and I walked in and they, no one spoke English. No one, like it, they didn't know why I was there, um, which I thought was a little surprising, but, um, right. uh, but they had, they had booze. So I said, well, fuck it. I, I'm going to have a shot at two in the afternoon for easy company by myself. So I did. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then the final thing was, uh, there's a town called Beneville, which is in between Karen Tan and, uh, can, uh, another place where paratroopers dropped and was around. And they had this amazing setup in the park. Uh, these very cool, um, like fluorescent uh, art things. So they had a huge one of Charles de Gaulle because it was the Charles de Gaulle park. They had this incredible fluorescent flashing map of the Normandy beaches and the arrows of the progress like lit up every, you know, every minute to show like the, the track of the liberation. And it was supposed to be this liberation ball with a band and food. And it was pouring and it was outdoors and it was windy. Man. And so we stood there. I, I met this girl um, and she was an American and very like, she loved like dressing up as in forties. She loves the forties era. She loves everything. So she brought her special outfit and wanted to dance. And it was just us in a tent in pouring rain. And after 30 minutes, they, they said it was canceled <laughs> <laughs> because of the weather. And so I went back to Cayenne and, and that was it. That was my, that was uh, D day 75 for me. That's amazing. Byron. Uh, I saw Ron Livingston on the street the other day. Okay. So he was, uh, yeah, he was in band of brothers for sure. Yeah. That, that relates in some ways. Uh, and office space. That's right. Ironically playing the same character, basically. Same thing. I mean, you know, he's a versatile guy. Uh, yeah. He's just, you know, he's a, he's a, he's just a, you just like seeing him, you know, just like seeing his face. He does. He's an everyman. He's a sarcastic yeah. everyman. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. I'm so glad that you were able to go do that stuff because it just sounds like there's so many. I mean, it, it's a bummer the weather was the weather, but like, uh, I don't know. Like, it also makes it part of the experience. Yeah. And it happened on the right day. It happened yesterday right. on the 7th. And this, the fifth and the sixth were clear, and that's that's all that had to happen. So the way it went down was perfect. Um, uh, it was the opposite of D-Day. It started great and then got rough instead of like D-Day. It started a little rough and then got better. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was incredible. I, I will never forget it for the rest of my life. That's very cool. Um, what's next? Gay Perry. Okay. Much like the allies, I'm moving inland. <laughs> Great. Perfect. 
Yeah, but it's cool. My uh, my sister is getting her um, doctorate in Paris, so she's doing research. So she has a, a, a small apartment, but she's going to be in the States. So I said, I will happily babysit your place for you <laughs> while you are gone. Um, so that works out. Yeah, so I'm going to have a little place in Paris, and uh, I'm excited. <laughs> Well, good. I'm excited to hear about the uh, trials and tribulations of old Paris. Byron's going to uh, unleash himself on the city, I'm sure. Oh, God. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Don't, don't say it like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> do, do, you have a, do you have a Parisian challenge for me, Landon? You know, I think – okay, let's do this. Um, okay. Here's your challenge, and this may be one that you have to, like, you know – this may be one that you have to like think about and then like go, oh, this is hap- this happened here as opposed to I'm going to try to do this as a goal. Okay. Um, I want you to fail at something. Ooh. Ooh. Not in my wheelhouse at I all. I understand that. Yeah, <laughs> I totally get it, which is why it's, which, well, it's a big challenge for you. Okay. Fail. I will fail. Yeah. Fail at Done. something. Done. Consider it failed. Great. Great. Uh, Byron, uh, everybody can follow you on Totally F and Lost, uh, Instagram, website, EFFN, things. yes, EFN, yeah, EFFN, yes. Um, the uh, anything else? I think that's it. Uh, it's it's been real as always, and I look forward to speaking to you from Paris next week. Paris. Paris.